0: Good morning, everybody. This is Debbie at the Woman Behind the Smile, and today I am going to introduce you to our Stand Up and Speak Up series. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, something that we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go, Everything that happens to us helps us grow. And while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who have been through extraordinary struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and shame and to putting an end to this Let's stand up and become the victor, not the victim. A little bit of. Oh, and. You've got to call that. I should have done that. But let's be awesome, not angry, and let's acknowledge what happened and forgive ourselves first and then move on in our power and with our power. So today, we've got a guest who's a friend of mine, and I've got to tell you that when I met her, I was a guest on the Dr. Oz show, and it was really interesting because I sat down with her, and I was looking at my associate producer, and I'm like, who's this woman? And she laughed. She said, that's Benita Alexander. And I said, well, I'm not sure I know who that is. So I Googled her, and wow, was I surprised at this woman that was sitting across the the couch from me. So I would like to introduce my new friend and heartfelt companion in this experience here, Miss Benita Alexander. Are you there, my dear? Hi, am. Um, thanks so much for having me, Debbie. Um, I'm so excited you're here. Now, you have an extensive biography, and <laughs> I have it up on our website. It's really long, but I would like to let people know that you are an award-winning producer, director, and writer. You've produced a variety of films and TV programs, and you're currently a senior VP for True Crimes Programming for Efren Films, which is based in New York and in Toronto. You're living in New York, and we just had a short discussion about being there and amongst this uh, virus situation. I'm yeah. so glad you can be with me today, so welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. So happy to be here, and so glad you're doing this.
0: Well, I found, and you and I are, are soul sisters to the, to the max here, where yes. we've both been through situations, and I've realized that it's time to stand up and speak up and let people know that we're not alone. So Absolutely. Now, Benita, many of my um, listeners have not heard of your story, and I really do encourage them to go and, and Google you, which is tremendous about the Internet. But I would really like to hear your story from, from your voice and, and what you what can you tell us about what happened to you?
1: Well, the, the short version of it is I, I fell in love with a man who I thought was Mr. Perfect, um, absolutely swept me off my feet. I was floating on clouds. He did... Literally everything right. Um, he was a world-renowned doctor and scientist. He was. He spoke six languages. He was romantic. He was smart. He was worldly. He was charismatic. He was everything. He was um, fantastic with my daughter, who was then nine years old at the time, and who, um, really tragically, her father was dying of brain cancer at the time, and he sweeps in like Prince Charming and promises to take care of us both and, you know, takes us on this whirlwind ride. He was incredibly generous. My friends loved him. My family loved him. I mean, there literally was nothing wrong, which probably should have been my first clue. Um, And we were engaged to get married. We were together for two years. And six weeks before the wedding, I found out that he was literally lying about everything. The whole wedding was some sick, twisted fantasy. We were supposed to be getting married in Italy. We had 300 guests coming from all over the world. Um, He was still married (laughs) to his um, wife in Italy, who he had told me he was divorced from. So we never could have legally gotten married in the first place. Nothing about the wedding was real. Um, You know, nothing was booked. Nothing was – it was all just a big fantasy, a big sham. And um, on top of it, I, had, I quit my job. Um, I had been working, had a very successful network career, and I quit my job because we were moving to Barcelona, and I went on my own investigation. I hired a private investigator and then went on my own investigative trip, and in the house that I was supposed to be moving into with him and with my daughter after we got married, I found a whole other family and young children. Ultimately, it turned out he had in addition to me and the wife that he supposedly had divorced, he had at least two other families, probably more, and the worst part is that although he was, is a real doctor, um, it turned out that he was also lying in the medical arena, and he was doing this very experimental procedure, and patients died because of it, because he lied about the work he was doing, so it's just tragedy on top of heartache, and just a giant, unfortunate, ugly,
0: devastating mess. <laughs> to go back to the beginning, though, you um, I met my guy online, and I never did actually meet him in person online. You met him through your job, right? I mm-hmm. did,
1: and this is one of the reasons that I would never suspect anything wrong. I mean, I was doing a story on him, actually, when I first met him because the work that he was doing was so groundbreaking. He was literally the only person in the world that was doing this highly experimental, life-saving um, procedure. And, look, I had—I he worked for the place that gives the Nobel Prize in medicine, for goodness sakes. I met his colleagues. I saw him in the operating room. Um, you know, we followed him with cameras all over the world. I mean, there was n- no reason in the world to think that this man, of all people, would would lie to me. However, that said, there were those little nagging things that I just – you know, whatever you want to call them, red flags or whatever, that I just pushed down because I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. You know, why would a man of this caliber, and you know, somebody so prestigious and literally world famous, why would he lie? Um, can you
0: can you give us some, one of the little, what I used to call them, pink flags because I didn't want yeah. them to be red? <laughs> That's what a what good were those gut is, feelings right. yeah. you
1: had? Well, for one thing, um, he flew me all over the world. We took these extravagant vacations everywhere, He was always surprising me and these incredibly romantic trips and and all these wonderful things. But I never went to the house in Barcelona. There was always a reason why I couldn't go. And conveniently, because he's a surgeon, there was always a last-minute emergency surgery. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there was one time I was literally on my way to the airport. And, oh, my my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know. And towards the end, um, we started arguing about that a lot because I said, who, you know, who the heck marries a man without seeing the place they're going to live, for goodness sake? It makes no sense. Um, and I also had not met his children, who were about 18 and 19 at the time, I think. Um, that one, yeah, I was, you know, I've been through a divorce. I come from a divorced family. I know how difficult those things can be, so I was willing to let that one slide a little bit. I figured I'd meet them when they were ready. Um, but it was like his his world was somewhat shut off from me, you know, and that's a huge sign. You know, they sort of want to know everything about you and immerse themselves in your life and ask you all these questions and want all this information, but they're, you know, sort of evasive about what's going on in their life and meeting people in their own lives. So that's that's a sign. Although I did meet his mother, and that's the weird part. I mean, he had my me and my daughter in his house in Italy, um, and she cooked for us and everything, oh. but she didn't speak English. So... Who knows what he told her. I was probably some patient of his that was dying, and maybe that's why she was hugging me and crying, you know. I, um, I don't know.
0: Well, it was very public, though. I mean, you had pictures everywhere of the two of you. So a, yep. a wife did come out and didn't see that. How did, he, how did he keep that separate?
1: I don't know, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things that are are mystery. I mean, I had – he was always videotaping, which um, I ended up making a film about it called He Lied About Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent film. And – Yeah, and that was one of the crazy things. I mean, he was sort of, in a weird way, filming his own demise. I mean, I have so much video. He was always videotaping me and so many pictures, but, you know, I had them here in the U.S. It's not like these were being until after the fact. These were not being distributed on the Internet or um, anywhere where he was, so I guess it was easy to keep it secret.
0: True. And what did your friend say? Well, because at first when you were still working, it was kind of a – strange thing, right? You, you had to be careful yeah, because he was, he was yeah. part of the job.
1: Yeah, initially um, it was difficult. I mean, I fell madly in love with this man who I was at the beginning doing a story about, which for a journalist is a major conflict of interest. I mean, you, you're not supposed to cross that line for very good reasons. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. things can be compromised or your point of view, you know, um, you don't get involved with somebody you're doing a story about. Um, and it was really difficult. I agonized over it and I pushed him away and I said I can't I can't be with you. Um but I was so crazy about him and he was so persistent that eventually I just I couldn't I I couldn't resist anymore and all of my friends and family who met him there's not a single one of them now who wouldn't tell you that they thought he was just head over heels in love with me and they still cannot understand that. They all were enamored with him and enamored with us. I mean, people were jealous. People would tell me, you've renewed my faith and love, you know, men and women. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly seemed real.
0: Why do you think he, I mean, basically he picked you out. I mean, you're a beautiful, um, intelligent, you know, well-trained woman. What was it about you that he knew he could Pull you, in. you know, this
1: is something that I tell women all the time, and I think this is very important um, because a lot of women that are, are taken by these con artists are incredibly intelligent, successful women, strong women. And one of the most difficult things about the whole thing is, you know, you are left asking yourself, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so blind? And it's so painful, and it's so embarrassing, and it's so humiliating. But I think they almost get a rush out of it. I think they target people like us on purpose. It's a thrill for them. You have to remember their minds are whatever's wrong with them, sociopaths, psychopaths, you know, whatever they are clinically, they don't think like we do. And there's some sort of, I really think they get some sort of sick rush out of fooling us. Um, it's kind of a challenge for them.
0: and but that's it's extraordinary that's how, it. how he built the story and kept it going.
1: Oh, it's in, it's insane, um, and I, I will never understand it. I've tried, um, but I think it's
0: it's impossible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've gone you've gone majorly public. I mean, you're international, and I actually I googled it. I went to YouTube and I saw I saw videos and clips in in multiple languages. Uh, mm-hmm. So your story's out there, and a lot of it is because of who he was, and as an right. international surgeon who. W- was disgraced by the Nobel Peace People. Um, I mean, it's a huge story. But the fact yep. is that women all over the world are being conned in person. And that's that. I think you and I talked about this. How I used to say, if you haven't seen him in two weeks, then he's a scammer. But now, you know, you were with him for two years, and right. it turns out to be a scammer. So it can happen to anyone. And, and we both believe Absolutely. that if it happens to us, it can happen to anyone. But when you hear... and. Uh, people, or when you're speaking and you hear people laughing in the background or snickering, how does that make you feel and has that ever kept you from speaking up?
1: Look, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. It's painful. I, I, when this first happened, and I think this is true for everybody, it doesn't matter. My, my story is on an extreme scale, you know, with who he was and all the details, but it would have been so much easier for me to crawl under my bed and hide and run away from it and try to pretend it never happened and try to move on with my life. And it was very, very tempting to do that um, because it hurts. It's, it's incredibly embarrassing and humiliating. In my case, I felt very strongly that I had an obligation to speak up because he's a doctor and he has people's lives in his hands. And I, when I embarked on my investigation, I didn't know the extent of what was going on in the medical arena. I only knew that if he was lying to me like that, then he had to be lying you know, in an equivalent or worse way in the medical arena, and I felt a personal obligation to talk about it, because I thought I might be the only person that was willing to expose him. Um, That said, it's been a painful journey, and it continues to be painful. I mean, I lost friends. I lost there are colleagues that that don't talk to me anymore from, um, you know, that I had worked with for many, many years. Um, I've I'm reading the comments um, online was horrendous. I mean, at the very beginning, when my story first went public, I had a couple of really, really bad days where I was just in tears all day long because I was reading some of the nonsense online, and my friends were joking that they were going to come over and you know, either throw my computer out the window or tie my hands behind my back so I couldn't get on the computer um, because it's difficult. Um, but I think... It's very important that we speak out, and it's important to try to rise above that. Anytime you go public, unfortunately, you're always going to have the naysayers. You're always going to have these stupid people that sit behind their computers, you know, the anonymity of being behind the computer and being able to say whatever they want, and people are just mean, unfortunately. Um, So, you, you know, you have to have a bit of a tough skin, but the benefits of speaking up are so, I think, are so much more Important, I mean, we need collectively to have a voice so that women know that they 're not alone, and women know that they are by no means stupid. You know this is not on you at all. you know these men are predators they I always say they 're really no different than a serial killer. you know they are calculating, they are manipulative, they target they prey their prey, they look for women who are vulnerable in one way or another, they know who they can go after and it's not your fault. (laughs) You know, it is absolutely 100% not your fault.
0: Well, I I can feel you. It's funny. I just had this instant feeling that we are sisters by other misters because (laughs) when my story went out a couple of years ago, uh, it went through the Palm Beach Post, and it was a written article, but they also had it online. And as soon as it hit online, my girlfriends called and said, do not read the comments. Yeah, And they actually called the reporter because there were things that weren't even about me that, that they were just so vicious. And so mm-hmm. the reporter said, Deb, here's, a, here's the key. It's important for you to speak up, but do not read what other people are exactly. saying because exactly. you're not speaking to them. Right, you need to be speaking exactly. to the woman that's been through it, and that's why I think you know any of us that have been what I call survivors or thrivers, not victims, um, yep. have this have this sisterhood amongst us that we've yeah. been there, we feel it, and we're not alone. Exactly. And, and why idea. do you we, think you were? I mean, you're in a position to speak up. Your job was yeah. that kind. But what makes you the kind of person that would speak up in spite of this?
1: Well, I. I think in a way, as I tried to make sense out of it, I thought, okay, you know, maybe there's a reason this happened to me, because I am a journalist. I mean, to start with, look, when we say this shouldn't have happened to us, we're smart, intelligent women, I'm an investigative journalist, for goodness Mm -hmm. sake. I'm almost like literally the last person on the planet this should have happened to, which made me think, okay, maybe there's a reason this happened, because I have the tools to expose him. I have the tools to go make a film about him, and to really put some light on this, and that sort of helped me in a way. It gave me a mission, um, mm-hmm. you know, and not about revenge in any way, but just about awareness and education, and the more I, and I'm sure the same with you, the more I started talking, and the more public my story became, and the more women contacted me, I realized how many people are so afraid to speak up, and for very good reasons. I mean, there. Are, Lots of reasons in people's personal lives That they can't speak up or their careers But if we can It's really important to do so Because if we don't speak up This just perpetuates And women are out there suffering Thinking that they're stupid And that they're the only ones Who this has happened to And they're not um, So for me it just, it just became a way To use my background And my, you know, my career
0: And turn it into something
1: at least helpful out of, out of this whole mess.
0: Well, and I, I really thank you for that. And I was just thinking that, you know, in my case, my scammer, uh, he ended up with the money. He, it was about money for him. Yeah. In your case, in the case of the, the men that are conning in person, sometimes it's not about the money. Like your guy, mm-hmm. he didn't need the money. What was it, in for, what was it about it that was good you for know, him?
1: That's one of the most baffling questions. I mean, there, there, are, there are two questions that still sort of haunt me. One was, you know, we had this giant wedding plan, which was weeks away, and every, people had already booked tickets and booked hotels, and I'm the one that pulled the plug on the wedding. But, but you know, if I hadn't, I just, it's like, how far was he going to take this? I mean, was, was yeah. everybody going to show up in Italy, and, and then what, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to that one. And the other question is why. It wasn't about money for him. I mean, I ended up losing some money because I had put money into the wedding blah, blah, that he was going to pay me back. But it, he was very, very generous, not only mm-hmm. with me, but with my friends and family. So I think it's something to do with um, the thrill of the con, mm-hmm. and, and somehow you're doing something for them. If it's not money, they're using you. They're always using you. Um,
0: so it's Well, about ego is huge. Look at this beautiful ego, reporter yeah. he had on his arm, you know? Wow,
1: well, thank you. But it's <laughs> about prestige. Maybe he thought, because of what I do for a living, that – I was going to be able to help me. I mean, behind the scenes, he was starting to get into a lot of trouble scientifically for um, scientific misconduct. And I was already that?
0: Did your story trip that off or did, was someone looking into him before? Partially there.
1: I, when, when I went public, when my story first went public, there was an incredibly well done documentary in Sweden that came out almost exactly the same time that they had been digging into the medical part of him for a long time. And so the two things coincided. And then, it became sort of a dual, a dual thing. I, I found things out. They exposed things, and it was a combination of. Um, but I think maybe he thought I could help him, you know, in some way. You know, I was helping him write things behind the scenes as anyone would help a partner, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't
0: know. <laughs> the story that you guys did at NBC, was that a very positive thing? That, that didn't identify any of the negatives?
1: No, but that was also before it was finished before he and I um, – really got involved and it didn't air for about mm, six months to a year later i can't remember now um but at the time none of none of this negative stuff had come out i mean we would find out later that when the documentary that we did about him aired there were investigations underway already at at karolinska in sweden and which is where they give the Nobel um prize in medicine but none of that was public yet um Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was very positive. I mean, he he had done this groundbreaking surgery on this beautiful toddler from Korean toddler that um, had had her surgery in Illinois, which is still breaks my heart to think about her, um, who ended up dying. Um, yeah, just it, the whole thing's so tragic. I, I what I went through is nothing compared to what the patients of these families um, have gone through.
0: Right. Well. Again, I just thank you so much for speaking up because it really is helping out a lot of women, and, and it's brought you into a group of women that have had shared experiences with other men. I saw a couple yes. of things you've done. Um, how did you? How did those women contact you, and, and what did they say when you first started talking to them?
1: When I first went public, as I'm sure is the case with you, women just started reaching out to me in droves. You know, they they fought saying thank you for speaking up. Um, something similar has happened to me, or I know someone who's been through something similar, and I can't speak up, or I'm too afraid to speak up, Um, and then there are other women that reached out that had been desperately trying to stop someone or get attention to some, you know, to a, a man that had, was doing this in a serial manner. I had a lot of those, and so I did a documentary for Oxygen called Seduced by Evil um, about a man that had, he was meeting people online and basically bleeding them dry, just taking all their money and then jumping to the next woman, and he'd been doing it for years and years, and he is now um, in prison, thank goodness, Um, Mm -hmm. but I did a a documentary about all of them and and how they all got together um, to try and get him behind bars. and. And, yeah, and there are, there are just so many, unfortunately, of these stories. I think that's the thing that's been most shocking to me is how
0: common this is. How was your experience with law enforcement when you were working on that, on the last thing with the uh, men th- in prison?
1: I think this is one of the biggest problems, and I don't know the answer to this, but I, over and over again you hear the same thing. Um, women go to the police, and they report it, and they're, either dismissed or, quite frankly, laughed at. And mm-hmm. they're just told, yeah, that's not important. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a romance scam, you know, and it just it goes to the bottom of the pile. They're not taken seriously, um, and that's a problem. And, you know, uh, women are working very hard to try and do something about that, but, I, you know, it takes a lot of tenacity. Women have to, you know, keep banging on the door and beating the door down and going back and going back, and it shouldn't be that hard.
0: Um, Well, we can't do it by ourselves, but together we're going to change it. Exactly. That's something that's so important. And and I've been working with um, SCARS, which is a society for citizens against relationship scams uh, down in Miami. And I know that they're very interested in working with law enforcement to try to come up with an advocacy program. It's almost, for me, it's like domestic abuse was years ago when a woman would walk in and she'd be beaten up and the cops would say, go home and be nicer to your husband. You know, now you walk in and the guy gets arrested. So... At yeah. some point, someone's going to look at this, and, and I think down here I'm in South Florida. Uh, elderly abuse is huge, and they yes. take that very, very seriously. And many of the women that are being taken online and in person here uh, are considered "quote unquote" elderly. You know, <laughs> anybody yeah. over 60 now that can go to the grocery store <laughs> for senior hours uh, are considered elderly. And I think it's something that's got to really be on the forefront. But again, if women aren't speaking up. They're never going to know how pervasive the problem is.
1: Right. And there are some, you do get the few people in law enforcement that obviously that are taking this very seriously. That was the case in the story that I did about Derek Aldred for Oxygen. I mean, there was, Mm -hmm. you know, a a few investigators that were just so upset by it, and they really took took it upon themselves to do something about it. And we just, we need more people like that.
0: I think if people would understand that, that these kind of con games and, and scams can happen to their sister or their mother, their best friend, that they might take it a little more seriously than just think, oh, that well, that woman out in the middle of nowhere, you know, she... Exactly. Yeah. When they see women like you and me and, and those of us that are around the world that have had this happen, that we're real people, that we have families, that we were in a... Situ- it was like the perfect storm. You know, yep. you're in a, in a situation where, I think you said earlier today, that it's not a crime to yep. want love.
1: Exactly. I mean, it, there, I always say that, you know, at the at the base of this, take everything else away and people can snicker and say, oh, how could you be so stupid or that would never happen to me. At the heart of this is a really simple thing, which is everybody wants to be loved. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's human nature. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved and believing somebody loves you back when they tell you that. That's not a crime. Wanting Mm -hmm. to be loved and being in love is not a crime. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I think it's really important to remember that. And then the second thing is that the thing to be really aware of is these men target women that in one way or another are vulnerable, and they have what I like to call a vulnerability radar. They know exactly who they can go after. And it could be anything. You could be coming out of a bad relationship or a divorce, you could have just lost your job or you lost a family member, anything that makes you a little bit more vulnerable or needy than usual, um, somehow they kind of sense this. And when you're like that, you have to be hypervigilant about protecting yourself because that's often when these con artists, you know, target you and jump.
0: So in this world right now of social distancing and we're not seeing people in person, how is it, How do you feel this is going to affect you know people that are on the Internet and looking think, for love on the Internet?
1: I think people have to be even more careful um, because obviously more people are going to go online and these criminals are going to realize that, and so that's when it becomes really important to do the things that you can do to protect yourself, which are simple in a way but important, and we just don't do them. Um, I mean, I always tell women you have to do a background check. Um, a lot of times women don't want to do that um, because they think, oh, I'm snooping. No, you're not. You're protecting yourself. Um, and you can, you can do a very basic, simple background check pre- pretty easily. I mean, there are lots of places um, that will online, like truthfinder.com, that will you pay a small fee, and you can do at least a basic background check. So I recommend doing that. And then with pictures, and this is a huge thing with online scam artists, um, a lot of times they post pictures that are not of them, um, that they've stolen from somewhere else. And there are tools online you can also use that are very simple um, reverse imaging tools where you can take a photo and put it into Google's reverse imaging and it will tell you where the photo came from. And so a lot of times you can very quickly see that, oh, this is a photo from 10 years ago and this is not the same person. Um, So that's a simple thing to do. And then you have to ask a lot of questions and kind of take notes. Um, If you start asking questions and paying attention to little details, they will contradict themselves um, because they try to hide the personal details of their lives. So you have to ask them as many questions as they're asking you and ask them to send you more photos and more videos than what they've got on their online sites. And those things... Usually, somewhere in there, you'll, you'll probably figure out that something's wrong.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because in the two years of my relationship, I actually kept an online journal, so I have 4,000 pages of writing <laughs> between him and me. And it was turned into, instead of family history, it basically turned into evidence, which we couldn't use for anything. Um, but I was on a show once with a young woman, she was in her 20s, and the, the guy that that conned her basically was a social experimentation, a social engineer, engineering experiment. He used videos from Instagram. Yep. So his profile was actually a real a real man from California, and he used his Instagram videos, yep. which was Very so common. real. They're, I mean, these yep. guys are incredible.
1: Yep.
0: The skills and it's not are incredible. that hard
1: for them to do, unfortunately, and that's the thing, and that's why we have to be vigilant. Um, you know, the inclination is just to trust you know and again there's nothing wrong with that but we you just you can't unfortunately
0: but yeah and trust is a hard thing and it's a hard thing to get back
1: very 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 hard
0: but, uh, you know, I, I feel that what we need to do is, is identify what's going on here, educate, help people to be aware, and be cautious, but then to give them hope. I mean, I have remarried, so that's the happy, the happy part of my it's story. Lovely. Is that I, I had to open up, and I did it really quickly after the scam, and I'm not sure how I did that. I think I just felt like I didn't want the scammer to get the best of me, even though yeah. he, got, he got my money, but he didn't <laughs> get my, my heart. And sometimes no. you have to, to, you're you going to get hurt in loving and well, to open, up, always,
1: right? Whether you to open up again not, is
0: really yeah. challenging. It's you know, You're, again, vulnerable. Um, and how do you trust somebody again?
1: Yeah, it's very difficult. I think I felt the same way you do, that um, I didn't want to become bitter and I didn't want this to change me. I'm a hopeless romantic, always have mm-hmm. been, always will be. And I felt, it sounds like you felt the same way, I felt that if I allowed the situation to change that or to change me or to make me bitter, then that was letting him sort of win. You know, that was giving him even more than he deserved and, or didn't deserve, however you want to phrase it. Um, and I, I, really, it was really important to me not to change myself. And I think that comes from really rem- being kind to yourself um, is something I tell women all the time. And being kind to yourself means really taking in and acknowledging and understanding that this is not your fault, you know, that, that this is 100% them. And that you, whatever reason, whatever was going on in your life, maybe you're a little bit vulnerable or maybe you just were really wanting to be in a serious relationship at the time or really wanting to be loved, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And so don't beat yourself up, (laughs) you know. You have to really be kind to yourself and know that it's not your fault and above and beyond all you're not stupid. And, yes, it's going to feel painful and, yes, it's going to feel humiliating. That's okay. You can live with that. And, not everybody is like this, you know, and chances are if it happens to you once, it's not going to happen again. And so go slowly, but be open. Be open to love and just be a little more aware and you'll be just fine.
0: And because yours was so public, I find a lot of women um, are afraid to, to speak up and tell their families or their close friends because of what they're going to say to them. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's the key to healing initially is to too. get it out. yeah. Don't I think hold you, it in ha- anymore. you
1: have to lean on your friends. It's vital. I don't think, I would not have gotten through my situation without my friends and my family, and you pretty quickly will realize, you know, who your real friends are,
0: quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: You know, and, th- you know, the rest of them, forget them. Um, then they weren't really your friends in the first place. You know, if they turn their backs on you when something like this happens, then they didn't have, they didn't have your back in the first place. And the people that are there, lean on them because you will need them because it will be a rocky road and there will be days that are incredibly difficult um, and, you know, your emotions are going to ricochet all over the place. And your friends and your family and the people that truly have your back and truly love you will be there and will love
0: you no matter what
1: and lean on
0: them. Absolutely. So I thank you so much. Um, We do have someone that's come on. Is there other... I see a bunch of people that are here. Does anybody have any questions for Benita today? Come on on. I've unmuted everybody if you'd like to ask a question. If not, Benita and I have a lot to talk about. But um, mm-hmm. how about it? Any Hi, questions? Benita. This
2: is, this is Dr. Tim from SCARS. How are you today?
0: Hi, Tim. Good. How are you?
2: Pleasure meeting you. I was listening to your story, and that's one of the things that so many online scam victims forget is that in reality, while the medium is new, the type of scamming is not particularly new. These kinds of confidence games have been going on since pre-Roman times. Anytime there was a guy who was too full of himself and too narcissistic to care, they were out there scamming somebody. Right. When you were reporting on this particular story, were you at all concerned about the potential liability associated with some of the defamatory things that you were saying about this person, did that hinder or hold you back in terms of what you were reporting or saying?
1: Um, It was something I thought about. I think in my case, because he uh, was so world-renowned and so prestigious and also was in trouble in a lot of avenues in his life, medically and scientifically, uh, not really. Um, and also, I knew, you know, unequivocally that everything I was saying was true. Um, <clears throat> like Debbie, who had kept all these notes, I had done the same thing. I had meticulous notes and video and pictures and all of that. And you know, most of these guys, um, I had people that said to me, my own family even that was concerned very concerned about me going public and worried that, because you just these people are unpredictable, they were worried for my safety, quite frankly. Um, And I wasn't, and the reason I wasn't, and I did talk to a number of um, professionals, investigators and private investigators about this, is because these guys usually are chickens, (laughs) quite frankly. You know, they have these big egos and they kind of get away with whatever they can get away with and often they keep getting away with it, which is why they keep doing it. But they're not the type you know, once they're done with you and once you expose them, they run. Um, and they are not the types that go into court because they don't want to go into discovery, trust me. Um, they don't want all this stuff pulled up, and they're not interested in it. So I felt that the risk was low, um, and I've never heard from him. So, um,
0: but he's still a surgeon in Russia or somewhere right now, isn't he?
1: Well, he still has his medical license, as far as I can tell. Um, okay. And the way it works in Europe is if you have a valid me- medical license, you can work in whichever country will take you. Um, obviously, his career has taken a gigantic hit. Nobody's really sure where he is or what he's doing. Um,
0: yeah. I saw yeah. somewhere he said that, as his last interview, said that he was a freelance surgeon. Right. <laughs> Whatever that meant.
1: Oh, oh dear. I feel sorry um, for anyone that he does surgery on, but... <laughs>
0: right well thank you so much Benita for your story and and how can people get a hold of you or reach out if this has happened to them
1: so I am on um, Instagram and on Facebook my Instagram is at lovecond love and then c-o-n-n-e-d and then Facebook um, lovecond stories with Benita Alexander so I'm pretty easy to find just google Mm me Um, I also have a website benitaalexander.com so any of those places you can send me a message
0: I want I encourage women to do that and if you if you hear of a friend that maybe has gone through this please share because we're not in this alone and it's really important that we are there for the women that are beside us that may be going through the same thing that are feeling scared and vulnerable and afraid to to speak up and uh, so we're the voices and I I honor you for doing that my dear Well, um, and
1: likewise. You you same with you and I think it's I think it's very important that we put a real face on this and you know, there are good reasons some women cannot come forward, but I also want all those women to know that they're not alone, and I hope nobody who listens to this feels alone, because there are a lot of us out there, um, and we're all smart, intelligent women, and none of us thought this would happen to us, Um, and if it did, it's okay. You, You can pick yourself up. You can keep going, and there is this I find some solace in knowing that um, you aren't alone and that there are a lot of people out there that understand.
0: Well, and for us it's become a new passion. So yes, out of your pain so. can become your passion. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's really, really important. So the yeah, other and there is gonna...
1: recovery and there is joy on the other side. And the, right. there, you do learn from it and you do get stronger.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So the other part of our show is today, this is kind of new that we're doing. We're going to be doing What's New in the World? of scams. And I'd like everybody to be introduced to Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim is the founder of SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. And Tim, what is new in the world of scams this week?
2: Well, this week we published a new article on our RomanceScamsNow.com website dealing with something that is very topical, specifically something called coronavirus grandparent scams. Scammers in India, Africa, and Asia have long exploited the love that grandparents and family members have for their grandchildren, but now they are turning that into money through crisis emergency scams. A typical grandparent scam involves someone calling, emailing, texting, or messaging an elderly person claiming that they are a relative, a grandson, or a niece, or a nephew, and are in an emergency. All they need is some money and it will all be fine. Unfortunately, uh, it works because grandparents care deeply about their family members and are usually not so connected with the grandchild or niece or nephew so that they are able to precisely recognize their voice or their writing in a message. So the the scammer basically pretends that they are that person, that grandchild, in an emergency. They're in the hospital and they need money or they can't be admitted. Or they're, the typical grandparent scam is that they've been arrested and they need bail and they need the grandparent to go on to westernunion.com and wire money to them. Of course, it never goes to a legitimate uh, destination. It only goes into the hands of scammers. But the reality is today we are flooded with a deluge of new scams specifically orienting around the coronavirus crises. Um, In the last two weeks in the United Kingdom, victims have lost more than 10 million pounds directly attributable to coronavirus scams. So they are everywhere. If anyone gets a call from someone pretending to be a family member claiming to be in an emergency or crisis, there are certain things that you must do. You must resist resist the urge to act immediately. You must verify the caller's identity. Ask them questions to prove who they are. Call a family member to get confirmation that something like this has happened. Check their story out with someone else in your family that you trust. And by all means, do not send cash, gift cards, or money transfers talk to a family member, and work it out as a family. Don't do it individually, even if you're asked to keep it secret and away from other family members for any reason. Well, that's, that's really tough, Tim.
0: Our, our elderly population gets scared when the, the scammers are saying, don't tell so-and-so, you know, you know, don't tell your mother or my mother that, that I'm doing this. That, that shuts them down. So
2: exactly. how do we get
0: the word out?
2: Well, uh, I would encourage anyone to go to our website, romancescamsnow.com, and learn about the reality of scams. You'll find thousands of professionally uh, created articles touching on every topic, from the mechanics of how scams work to the psychology of scams, specific warnings, covering every conceivable topic associated with online phone, email, and any other form of what's known as a cyber-enabled scam.
0: Do you work with law enforcement and how so?
2: We do. Uh, we're directly partnered with the United States Department of Homeland Security. Uh, as a matter of fact, Debbie, uh, you have been on some of the conference calls that we share with them on a, on a monthly basis. We're an affiliate of Europol and the Council of Europe. Uh, we have direct connections with law enforcement around the world Uh, one of our SCARs chapters in Indonesia. Um, The leader of that particular group is actually a senior officer of the Indonesian uh, Cyber Crimes Police. Uh, We're connected with them in in everywhere from Philippines to uh, Latin America. And almost daily, I speak with the acting director of the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission in Nigeria. Of course, most of these entities are in some state of shutdown right now as a result of the crisis.
0: Uh, has the crisis shut down the scammers? Other than the uh, grandparent thing here, or how about how are romance scams going this week?
2: Well, actually, uh, romance scams are in decline, but only because the scammers have started to apply their skills in addressing the coronavirus uh, opportunities that exist. So. That has literally exploded. So they backed off on business email compromise scams since so many businesses are in shutdown and shifted their attention. But scammers are not shut down. They were already hiding in their homes to begin with. So it's not like they were out and about much to begin with.
0: And how, how has um, – I know uh, my IT guy is in India right now, and some of these scammers coming out of India were in call centers. Have those been affected too then?
2: Exactly. Um, they're extraordinarily large scamming organizations based in India and elsewhere in, in the third world especially that are occupying uh, previously defunct call centers. In those particular cases, yes, those organizations have been shut down, so those scammers are offline, no longer connected because their connection to the Internet and phones was through those physical facilities. But as soon as things open back up, they'll be back on with a vengeance.
0: Well, there are good things to being shut down. So, Tim, any other tips for uh, how to survive this coronavirus and stay safe from scammers?
2: Well, obviously, our individual psychology and mental health is critically important. I'm not a, a medical doctor nor a healthcare uh, professional. I'm actually an anthropologist, but. The reality is that there are a number of organizations, and we uh, note them on our various uh, social media pages, etc., where individuals can literally get counseling sessions online for free um, through chat sessions, etc., around the country. And if necessary, you can call your county public health department and ask them for counseling services that are still available during the coronavirus crisis. It's important that you not lose connection with real people. Make sure that you're talking daily with your family members and your friends. Don't let yourself become isolated, because in isolation, you become vulnerable to the stories that scammers weave. Literally, the smartest people in the world can fall for scams. The three people that are on this call are all brilliant people, yet the reality is scamming works against anyone. And the more intelligent you are, actually the more susceptible you are, because you believe to a greater extent in your own infallibility. So never hesitate to stay connected with real people. Use real people as sounding boards and as people who can help guide you when you have questions about something that you see online. Right now, so many people are panicked because of the the silly things that they're hearing in the news media, whether it's a stupid statement made by the WHO that they're going to drag people out of their homes, or the things that are being said to embarrass our government. But the reality is, all you need to talk to do is to talk it through with family and friends, and it has a tremendously calming effect, which which can help all of us endure this isolation and uh, this quarantine that we all find ourselves in.
0: Well, I find it's a really interesting time um, not being able to connect in person with family and friends. Uh, but the other day, we actually scheduled a Zoom conference between my brothers and my mother and dad and I, and our, my grandkids. And it was so much fun. It, was, it brought a different element to our relationship because people were really craving that family relationship. And and you know, my mother and dad had it were technically challenged, and so I pulled up my uh-huh. my phone and did a FaceTime and showed it my you know aimed it at my at my computer screen so that they could kind of connect in a funny kind of way, um, but it really did satisfy that urge to, to see that everybody was safe.
2: And, and that, those yeah. are
0: real people. Benita, have you had experience? You're up in New York City right now and, and in a city that's closed down. What are you doing to, to stay connected? Same
1: thing. We did a, we actually did a Zoom with very similar with my family last weekend. Um, and I've done the same thing with friends. And, I mean, I have a teenage daughter, and that's how she's staying connected. Um, and I think that's very important, and I think Kim makes a very important point. It's when we isolate and sort of go inward and, don't talk to people, as we're starting to have fears and doubts, that's when we really get in trouble. And, you know, um, it's really important to have somebody that, um, even confidentially, you can say, you know, hey, like, I'm, I really like this person, or I'm, I'm talking to this person online, but, you know, what do you think? Or ask somebody else to do some checking for you.
0: Um, it's I just, call that the dating vital. buddy. I think we need yeah. a dating yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, true it's, call- our- it's
2: called having a wingman.
0: Well, it is, because yeah, our heart go. rules our head. You know, I think so. Oh, so. yeah, exactly.
1: So you need a voice of reason on the side, somebody who's not, whose heartstrings are not all tangled up
0: in it. That's hey, Steph. Debbie,
2: on your next program next week, I would recommend that you start your show with a security guide to Zoom, because as you all know, oh, yeah. hackers have been running rampant Uh, in the Zoom platform and and busting into calls, business, family, students online, and creating total havoc by displaying porn and all kinds of uh, inappropriate content. But there are a few simple modifications that you can make in your Zoom settings to make sure that your call is secure.
0: We'll put that on next week because my, my lawyer was doing a Zoom call with 100 international lawyers and it got hacked by a porn guy. So... They were they mortified at my daughter's if
1: you can...
0: school too. That's awful. With all of our kids yeah. on on online school right now, it's a huge issue. It really is. Yeah. Well, Tim, I'll work with you on that. Thank you so much. So, you're Benita, you're one last thing. I mean, do you, what would you want to say to women out there, and, and how, if they have a story that they want to tell either you or me, how would they get a hold of you to do that? Because I'm actually on your website, which is a lovely website, and there was. Um, can they email you at, at my story at They can, Yeah, film. you can email me
1: directly through my website. You can send me a message on my Instagram or my Facebook, okay. um, and I will get right back to you. And sometimes um, women contact me, and they're very unsure. They're very unsure if they want to talk um, mm. or if their story is worth telling. But I, I encourage you to reach out anyway. Um, so I you know, okay. to, to you or to me, I mean, we may just have some insight or be able to help you. Reaching out to me doesn't mean that you have to tell your story publicly. Um, it's just connecting with someone that understands. And uh, I think it's, it's just helpful. I mean, I, I think most women who reach out and it's all, it's confidential. I think I would stress that above and beyond everything. I mean, reaching out to me doesn't mean that I'm going to be standing somewhere with a microphone telling your <laughs> your story. It's, it's 100% confidential, and it's just someone to talk to and somebody that understands. And then if somebody is interested in in telling their story, then we can explore that and explore avenues to do that. Um, I have a show that coming up that's been put on hold um, because of the whole coronavirus situation, which and hasn't been announced yet, but where I will be um, telling these stories um, mm-hmm. on a national TV show. So... I'm looking for stories that the that, that people that want to expose people and tell their stories, um, so by all means, contact me.
0: Well, what I want people to understand, too, is that you, you'll know in your gut if there's something that's going on in, in your relationship that's not really there. Um, listen to it, because I didn't, yes. and, and I, I think I, I might have, but I, I had no reason to not trust my guy. At least I didn't think I had any reason to not trust him. Um, right. All I'd heard about years ago was that online dating was safe, and this is a great way to do it. And for me it was safe because he was overseas, and I wasn't ready for a physical relationship. But little right. did I know he was going to you know, bleed me dry financially, and that's so against my character. Um, but I had fallen for him, hook, line, and sinker. And I yep. had separated myself from my family and friends because that's what he wanted me to do. And well, so that's, that's, where, a, that's where we need that buddy. We need a, a voice yeah. of reason behind us saying, whoa, slow down. But, but I think for you so and I, Benita, no matter what people might have said to us, wouldn't have changed my mind. Um, because I feel like you feel that this happened for a reason and maybe because we've got the voice to stand up and speak up. Um, but I don't want anybody else to have to go through it.
1: Oh, me either. I, I, I really don't. If I can prevent somebody else from having to go through what I went through, then I've done my job, you know. Um, that is something you brought up, an important point, though, um, which is similar in any kind of abusive relationship, actually. When somebody tries to isolate you from people that they perceive as a threat, that's also a huge warning sign. <clears throat> and I can think back to a couple of people that uh, my guy didn't like, for one reason or another, friends of mine, <clears throat> and they he would – he would start saying things about them, you know, like, oh, I don't like that person or, you know, whatever. So, and I think he probably was sensing that maybe they were going to catch on to him or maybe they were going to find something out, and they do that. They try to push you away from anyone that they perceive as a threat. So that's always something to look out for as well.
0: That was the Deborah Newell story. Right. And he was pushing her daughters away, and he ended up exactly. ultimately being killed by a daughter. But that was a huge part of that Program uh, where you know he didn't like somebody and he kept them out of her life.
1: Right, so. which mirrors abusive relationships. So that's, that's a huge warning sign.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So again, thank you so much, Benita. And everybody, reach out to Benita or you can contact me at Debbie, which is D E B B Y, at the com. You can reach Tim at Dr. Tim at SCARS, the Society for Citizens Against Relationship Scams, at romance scamsnow.com incredible website with a, I love this word today, the word of the day is plethora, a plethora of information, anything you'd want to know about scams, scam victims, uh, support groups, and that kind of thing. And again, this week in the news, the grandparent scam where they're going after you for the coronavirus um, scare. So we thank you all for being with us today. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Bonita. I really appreciate it. I know we're going to do things in the future together. Um, we are the voice for the victims, which are not victims, because they're going to be survivors. We can be awesome, not angry. We mm-hmm. can be victors and not victims. So let's Thank stand you. up, everybody, and become aware of what's going on out there. Be careful, be cautious, and know that you're loved from afar, Thank <laughs> you. by Thank us. Much. Thanks so All much All right, dear. Thanks me. so much. Thanks, Tim, for being with us. Thanks to our, our guests, our, our other viewers. Uh, who have been with us. We appreciate it, and we hope you can come back next week. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. You got it. Take care, honey.
1: Bye.